I'm Ashley Hardy, and I'm married to Tyler, and I get to talk to you guys today. My husband, Tyler, asked me to talk to you, and I said yes, and I feel excited about it. And so um, it's my pleasure to be with you today, and I just can't wait to share what I feel like God's put on my heart. So I want to pray for us. So Lord, I thank you for your goodness and for your glory and for every heart in this room and I just thank you that your word says that in this life we will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And I just ask that in every heart today, every place that people are having trouble in their lives, that you would help us take heart because you've overcome the world. And I just pray that would lift our eyes today to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, one of the things that we've been doing right now in our church is we're on this series called Digging Deep and Getting Real. And so this, the heart in it is we're going to talk about deeply about some of the things about following God and talk about them in a real way and, and hopefully find out what's really going on deep inside of our hearts. And um, one of the things that the Lord put on my heart today and just kind of the hope for this time was to take some of the major steps that we have in the life of a, of a disciple of Jesus and kind of break them down and simplify them to help them feel a little bit more practical and a little bit more approachable for us, okay? And so the way that I see this is if somebody kind of airdropped you into Disney World and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm in the Magic Kingdom. This is like all that I ever dreamed of, you know? It's like what it's like to be a believer and to be in the kingdom of heaven, but we need a roadmap. We need to know where the best rides are, how to get a fast pass. Does anybody know what that is? You know, when you get to, yes, okay, Disney people. And then like where the restaurants are, you know? And so that's kind of what I wanna to talk to y'all about today is some of these basic things that you need to know as a follower of Jesus and unpack them a little bit. Are y'all good with that? Does that sound fun? Okay, and so we're gonna start by clearly just sharing the gospel. What is this whole big thing that we keep talking about, the gospel? And so what happened is that God, he is God, he is perfect. Before time began, he was. The Bible says that he is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He is perfect in all of his ways. He is holy and he created us. And he created us in his own image, which is amazing. And so we can learn so much about God through one another and the way that we reflect his goodness. But something sad happened. After he created man and woman, they chose the enemy instead of him. They chose sin. And that sin and that evil in our hearts separates us from God from the holiness of who he is. Because he is holy, we cannot commune with God in our unholiness unless there is a sacrifice made on our behalf. And so in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, they would take animals and they would sacrifice them. And that blood that was spilled on behalf of the people gave them access that sacrifice gave them access to be able to enter into the Holy of Holies and receive the word of God. And so that happened over and over. They would sin. They would have to make a sacrifice to cover their sins. That blood being spilt, there's a big word called atonement. It would bring atonement for their sin. Then they would be able to have access to the voice and the presence of God. And then they would do it again and again and again. And again, and finally, Jesus said, no more of this. I will send my one and only son, 
Jesus. And he will become the once and for all final sacrifice for my people so that through Jesus, they can have relationship with me forever. No more sacrifice needed after Jesus, okay? This is great news. And so this is this God, Jesus, fully God, he was sent by the Father to earth and he became fully man. This is mind blowing, okay? So he was born from the Virgin Mary. And this is also mind-blowing. So much about Jesus is mind-blowing, okay? And so he was born fully God and fully man, and he grew up here on earth. And the Bible says that he was tempted in every single way that a man could be tempted, just like us. But he never chose to sin. Not one time did he choose to sin, ever. He was perfect. And throughout his life, he did amazing miracles. He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He raised people from the dead. He touched people's blind eyes and they saw the deaf ears and they heard. He was a powerful man who did the works of God. He was God and he was man. It was amazing. And so he gathered a group of disciples and a group of followers and then a crowd of people followed him to learn from him. And he taught his disciples about the kingdom, about the kingdom of heaven and the ways of the kingdom. And they wrote it down and they captured his words in the Bible. And so you can actually read what Jesus taught his disciples in the Bible. This is amazing. And so you can read his words and all the things that he said to his followers in the Bible. And then he was betrayed. He was crucified on the cross. He died a horrible death so that all of the pain that you've ever experienced and everything that's ever happened to you was covered by his death. And then all of the bad things that you've ever done and the ways that you've hurt others were covered by his death. That blood that he spilt for you on the cross covered it all, all of the loss, pain, sickness, everything. He died for it all on the cross. And that's the power of his blood because he was the perfect sacrifice, like all of the animals they sacrificed before. And then what happened three days later? Can anybody tell me what happened? He rose from the grave, he's alive. And so he overcame death. And what I like to remember most of all, I mean, yes, our sin, our death, our pain, our hurt, but he, when he died, you guys, he was separated from the Father, which truly is the most heartbreaking aspect of the cross, in my opinion. And I believe what he purchased for us that changes everything is when he overcame death and he walked out of the grave, he said, never again will you have separation from the Father. I made a way. I, Jesus said, I made a way so that you will never have to go one day without hearing your father's voice. And I think about it like a little boy in the forest and let's say he was with his father and then all of a sudden his father's gone and he's in the forest and he's like, daddy, where are you, where are you, where are you? And he can't find his daddy no matter where he turns. And all of eternity will feel like that without Jesus. If we die and we don't choose him, all of eternity will be like you or me, whoever it is that hasn't chosen Jesus longing in the forest for the Father to return and it never will happen. Or it will be being with the Father forever for eternity. But we have to choose in this life. We have to choose in this life. And Nicodemus was this guy, he was a Pharisee, okay? He was one of the people that helped crucify Jesus. And he had questions about 
about this. And so he asked Jesus in John 3, and he said, he said, listen, Jesus, Nicodemus says, no one could perform the signs you're doing if God was not with them. And Jesus replied in verse 3, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus asked a very practical question, you guys. He goes, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb. Now, this is a very practical question that Nicodemus is asking, and it's, Jesus needs to answer him. So what does Jesus say? He says, he repeats himself, you guys. He said, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. And so I just want to repeat, Jesus, you should not be surprised at us saying, you must be born again. There is no other way to enter the kingdom of heaven except through the person of Jesus and his sacrifice for us on the cross. And nothing else will satisfy. And so with that truth of the gospel right here in front of us, Jesus at the center, what I want to do is unpack some practical points of a, the journey of a believer. And so I have that up here on a little slide for us. And this is just the journey of a disciple. So you're saved. And when you are saved, this powerful thing happens. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about that in a second. And then you're filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God. You follow Jesus and you choose to live on mission. You're committed to the church and community and you're set free walking in personal holiness and freedom from bondage. And so this is kind of like the, the Disney World roadmap that I was talking about, okay? And so these are the, the parts of our journey as a believer that I'm gonna kind of unpack for us here in the next few minutes. So thank you for that. And I'm gonna take part of Ephesians 1 and I'm gonna break it down, okay? So when we talk about being sealed um, at salvation, when I was a little girl, I believed that gospel. I had heard that gospel preached, which I'm sure a lot of you already have, and I believed it. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. There is no way to go to the Father except through him. I believe that. Jesus, will you come into my heart? Will you fill me? I receive your sacrifice on the cross as the forgiveness for my sins, and I choose to trust you. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I prayed that prayer when I was a little girl. I had a baby doll. I named her baby Jesus, even though she was a baby girl. And I just loved Jesus. And so that was real. I was sealed with the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians 1, verse 13, it says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance and the, until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to his praise and glory. And so this is only the beginning, okay? You guys, when we choose to receive the promised Holy Spirit at salvation, it says in the Amplified, in, in Ephesians 1, verse 14, this spirit is the guarantee. It says it's the first installment the pledge, it's a foretaste, okay? You don't have to have it on the screen. I'll just read it. It's the, it's the foretaste. And so even in the Bible, it breaks apart saying that when we're sealed with the Holy Spirit at salvation, it is the beginning. It's a pledge. It's a foretaste of all that he has to come. And so then what, okay? After we're saved, I remember growing up as a believer and going, 
I, I need more. I got to my freshman year in college, I'd had my baby Jesus and I'd believed in him all of my life, but I needed more. I had no power in my life to say no to sin. I would choose the same things over and over again. I was not a nice person. I was angry and, and um, anxious and I needed more of God. And I looked around and thought, everybody that I know that says they know God actually seems exactly like the unbelievers. They just go to church on Sunday. Has anybody ever questioned that? Like, what's the deal? Why aren't believers different? Where's the power in their life? Why aren't they, I was like glowing, or I don't know, something needs to be different. Why are they not different? If I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, I should be different, and I wasn't. And so I remember leaving my dorm room at Baylor. I was Baylor Bear. Sikkim, I'm, yeah, I'm in the Aggie world, a Baylor girl, so I know you can sis at me or whatever. And so, I, and so I went outside and I sat down on those steps and I said, Lord, I want to know who I am. And right now I'm confused about who I am because I say I believe in you, but I don't really know you. So reveal yourself to me, or I would rather just say, I'm an atheist and at least I have authenticity. You know, because right now I feel like a big phony. And I say one thing, but I don't actually understand it. And so I just said, reveal yourself to me. Show me yourself right now. And he did, you guys. I mean, it was just, I don't know how to describe it, except for just as if y'all, one of you came and stood with me, he stood with me. And the Holy Spirit came and touched me in a way that changed me for the rest of my life. And it was cool because it wasn't this like, wild experience. For me, it was peace. I needed peace. I probably hadn't felt deep peace since I was like a baby girl, you know? So much anxiety. My tummy was always hurting. And there was a freshman in college. I needed the peace of the Holy Spirit to touch me. And what that did is it awoke the hunger inside of me. And I was just ravenous for the Bible. I was asking questions all the time. I was on the front row. I've really never left the front row. And I loved being in the presence of God. And the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, they started growing within me. And I started realizing, wow, something's different. I recognized that my heart was like, if you can imagine your heart like a piece of land, like the state of Texas or whatever, the territory of my heart, it was like the Holy Spirit was there, but there was so much room for like the invasion of the Holy Spirit in me. I wanted to fill my heart with him. And the Bible talks about this, okay? It says in Ephesians 1 verse 17, Paul's talking to the church of Ephesus, okay? They are believers. They believe in Jesus. And he said, I keep asking that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would fill you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you can know him better. And so Paul's saying, I keep asking that the spirit of God would fill you. I keep asking for it, even though they were already believers. Does you see what I'm saying? And then in John 3 said, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God and he gives the spirit without measure. And so y'all, we can never stop being filled with the Holy Spirit. We can never stop receiving more and more and more of who he is. And so we are saved, we're saved, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, and we're filled with the Spirit's power over and again every single day. And then we're also a people who live on mission. We follow him and we live on mission. And so right before Jesus went to earth, heaven, he gave his disciples this mission. Do you want to hear what it said? He said this, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He said, so therefore go and make disciples of all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, 
the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And know that I will always be with you, even to the end of the age. And so that's what he told his disciples. And that's what he tells us. So as his believers, we're not just following him and filled with him because we want to have a happy life. We have a mission with him. And I just want to submit to you guys that if you choose to accept this mission with God, that no matter what vocation or what role you have in life, you will live a purposeful life. And you will reach the length of your days and you'll turn around and go, that was a life well spent. Because you can accomplish this no matter what, if you're, you're just a stay-at-home mom, you're just a worker at the, at the Starbucks, you're just a CEO of the major corporation, you're a missionary, you're what, fill in the blank. You can accomplish this mission no matter what your job is, okay? And if you have eyes to see it, then you can, um, you, you realize that you don't have to be doing a certain activity in order to be doing it. You're, it is in all aspects of your life. Does that make sense? And so I love this. This is so fun. My friend Margie um, is 80 years old. That's old. Is anybody in here over 80 or 80 years old? No, I think she would be the oldest person. Okay, and so she texted me because my daughter's birthday party, we had it yesterday, and she sent me this text, and I wanna, I wanna read y'all Margie's text, my 80-year-old friend. She said, oh, I cannot believe she's already one year old, such a doll and so darling. I had not planned to do any more traveling overseas. She means like, you know, for the rest of her life. But at World Mandate, my heart was so touched, and I told the Lord if he wanted me to go somewhere that he could make a way. I meant physically more than anything else, and well, the girl that lives with me said she really wanted me to go to Sheffield, England with her. And I began to pray, and God gave me Psalm 92, 12 through 15 in the Amplified Bible, and I felt that it was a nudge from the Holy Spirit. So unless something major takes place that would stop me from going, I will probably go. Please pray that the Lord would show me. I love you, sweet girl. Isn't that so sweet? So there's Margie Atwood at 80 years old getting her life rocked at World Mandate, okay? And saying, I am willing to, um, I thought I would never leave the uh, nation for the rest of my life, but I'm gonna get on an airplane and go to England, tell people about Jesus, you know? I mean, just, and I, so I wanna read to y'all what Psalm 92 says, okay? So this is what God spoke to her. The righteous will flourish like a date palm. They will grow in the cedar, like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God, growing in grace, and they will strive and bear fruit and prosper in old age. They will flourish and be vital and fresh, rich in trust and love and contentment. They are living memorials to declare that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I love that. That was the Bible. That's the verse that spoke to our 80 year old friend that said, go, go to England and tell people about Jesus. You know, it's just so sweet. It never got old for her. She never stopped being filled, never stopped being on mission for God. It never, ever ended. God's still speaking to her today. And the way that I like to think about this whole thing that I'm explaining to you is if you think about a fire outside, like a big bonfire, and every life is different, okay? So let's say we had the exact same size wood and we put it in the exact same creation and we lit them on fire side by side. The fire on both fires would be different. 
you know, the little like ways that it goes up and down, there's no way it would be the same. Fire can never be duplicated. It's always gonna be different. And that's how every single person in this room is. Your life will never look like the person sitting next to you. Your gifting, your calling, it's never gonna be the same. And so like receive that now and like stop the struggle, you know, and be like, here I am, this is me, and I love my wood and I love my fire. This is the way that God created me to be. And so with that fire, this is what I think. So the spark, the saved and sealed is the spark. So when we're saved in God, that initial spark is our salvation. We have fire. He's within us. But then being filled with the Holy Spirit is like the wind. You know, if you've ever seen a fire and the wind blows on it, it just wakes it up. It makes it alive. It makes it full. It makes it burn. And that's the continual being filled with the Holy Spirit, giving him access to our hearts. And then I believe that we can take the wood, and it's like the wood is this great commission vision. So every day I get a new piece of wood and I put it on the altar or in the fire or whatever. And whatever he's calling me to do today is that that great commission in my life, okay? And so some days, if moms in the room know that that great commission is just like administering ibuprofen to the sick kid all day long, you know? And that's the best way I'm fulfilling the great commission is putting that on the fire. And sometimes my wood for the fire is like going on a special date with my husband, or maybe it is getting out and sharing the gospel at HEB, or doing my job as a teacher, or whatever it is. Whatever the mission that he has me to do, that day is my wood for the fire for that day, okay? And so then there's this new part that I haven't talked about yet, and it's the part where you get stoked, you know, where somebody comes and pokes the fire and maybe rearranges things a little bit. And so sometimes we don't want to get poked, but that's what we call community. And the church. And so it's actually so good for you. And you have to stay in community to get your fire like the way it needs to be and rearranged, you know? And so this isn't just my idea. It's God's idea. And he says in Ephesians 1, he says in verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So God's idea is the church. Yes. His idea is the church, you guys. We can't follow him and be filled with him and be on mission with him if we are not committed to a local church and be a part of a community of people that you let see you and approach you and talk to you and the changes that happen when you're willing to work through relational community, okay? Because it can be hard. Sometimes it's easier to live on an island or be a loner, and it's not the way that God intended it. So I don't care if it's this church, but find a church, commit your whole life to walking together with that group of believers, and it will help transform you and the city you live in and wherever you are. And so that's who we are as people, but we're also needing to be set free. And so for me, I had all of those things in, my pla in place in my life. I was I had gone through the journey, saved, I was filled with God, I was committed to the Great Commission, and I was committed to the church, but there, as a sophomore in college, I still had major issues, okay? I was struggling with, um, with seduction and, and trying to gather people's attention for my own glory. I would exaggerate all the time. I would... Um, I mean, lie slash exaggerate all the time. I was struggling major with insecurity and fear and controlling situations when I didn't know what to do. And I needed help. I would, I would go back. To, I was majorly struggling with just like self-control and eating. I would just 
it was just a big mess, you know? And so I needed help. I needed freedom in those major, like, practical areas of my life. But all of those earlier things were set place, but I was still struggling all of the time. Has anybody ever known someone like that? Like, that was me. I was major struggling, and, and I needed help even though I was already had all the major rocks set in place, okay? And so how, how do we get free? And so this lady walked up to me. She was not much older than me. She's probably a junior, and I was a sophomore, you know? And she said, hey, would you like to go through seven steps to freedom? And I was like, sure, that sounds fun, you know? And I didn't know what it was, but I was like hungry for God, like I said, so I was like, great. And so basically, it's like this holistic approach of understanding that there's like this world out there of, of darkness. And she explained to me about demons for the first time. I thought, I mean, I didn't hear a whole lot about it, but I knew it sounded creepy and weird, you know? And so I was like interested, but like I didn't know what was going to happen, you know? But I was just interested, so I said yes. And so... What was so cool about this journey for me is that my eyes were open and I was made aware of so many things about being a believer and about this battle between light and dark and good and evil, but it wasn't like um, super emotional or like super spiritual. Like it was very peaceful and like kind of practical. And so that's what I want to share with y'all today because I believe that simplifying a little bit and talking about this topic that can sometimes seem a little weird might really be a key to help all of us get set free. Are y'all good with that? Okay, and so it talks about it in Revelation 12. And, and you don't have to read it or put it up right now, you guys, but I'm just going to kind of recap this story. And so it says that a war broke out in heaven, okay? And um, Michael and his angels fought with Satan and the people that had, there's angels that had um, chosen to follow Satan. So Satan was an angel and he rose up and decided that he wanted glory for himself. And he wanted to be God or be like God. And that is not okay. A war broke out in heaven and Satan and a third of the angels were cast to the earth. And so that's how they got here, okay? And they're here. It's, it's a real thing. And so it says in Revelation 12, verse 10, this is the good news and this is the promise. Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, Satan, he has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their own lives unto death. And so that's how the story ends. So before we even start talking about it, that's where the story ends. We overcome, and Jesus overcame him. And so, but until the day when Jesus returns or we die and meet him face to face, there is a battle that is not of flesh and blood. There's a battle that's unseen. And if we're aware of it and we are um, like just, just privy, you know, we understand it, we're gonna have so much more freedom and joy in our lives, okay? And so also in Ephesians 1, verse 21, just a promise, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that's invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come, like Jesus' name. He's above all of it. So another promise just to know Jesus is above all rule and authority, and he has all power. And the way that I think about this, too, is, you know, we have our fire again. Remember, it's sparked, and it's blowing and stoking, and we've got the wood. But there can be ways that it gets quenched, you know, even after it's going, where there's 
sin in our life or struggles that we go through that pour water on it or try to snuff it out. And the Bible even talks about that in 1 Thessalonians 5, and it says in verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Um, but it says reject, and it says reject every kind of evil. And so we want to be people that do that, that reject every kind of evil, and we do not quench the spirit. We don't let anything put out our fire. But in life, you guys, we have pain. Pain is part of life. We hope it's not, but it is. No matter who you are or how well you've positioned yourself in God, life will bring pain. And we have a choice about what to do with it. And in Deuteronomy 30, it talks about, the Bible, in Deuteronomy 30, it says, I've set before you life and death. And I call all of heaven together to witness, choose life. And so there is an ability for us to see things clearly. And so when we experience something that's painful, we can either walk over here and choose anger or fear or um, addiction or anything to help us feel better when we don't know what to do. And if we do that again, and again and again in the middle of our pain, then let's, like, let's say it even like this. So Bob's dad has some trouble expressing his feelings and doesn't show Bob physical affection. So Bob's grown up his whole life going, I just want my dad to give me a hug and say he loves me, but Bob's dad has a hard time with that. And so every time Bob cries out for that and doesn't receive it, Bob has to figure out what to do. And so Bob, so, so over here he goes, he hears this lie that says, you're not valuable and nobody loves you, okay? And so if Bob chooses to believe that lie, then he's sitting in class a few days later and the teacher does the roll call and he's, she's like, Sally, Billy, uh, Gabriel, Emma. And then he goes, wait, he didn't call my name, see? She forgot me. So it's like a, just a typical mistake from a teacher, but Bob goes, see, she looked me over, nobody will ever love me, I am alone. And so if he is already believing that, he can find evidence of that in any situation. Does that make sense? And so he's believing, so if he believes that over and over and over again, what that does is it builds a mindset and he just believes, I am not a lovable person, I will always be alone. And so then Bob acts out in that throughout his life in different ways. So um, it, just fill in the blank. You can imagine the different ways that someone believes that no one would love them and that they were always alone would choose to comfort that pain. So it could be in a ton of different ways. And the actions as he builds, builds out this or works out this mindset build a stronghold in his life of, of fear, of whatever it is that he's continually choosing to help comfort him in this pain. Does that make sense? And so then let's say Bob grows up and he receives Jesus, but no one ever teaches him that he can be free from all of this stuff. He just has the Holy Spirit within him, but he doesn't know that he's in this other different kind of bondage, you know? And then he gets married and he has a kid and he grows up and there's a painful thing that happens in his life. And so he chooses anger and control and manipulation and he chooses whatever it is that he's choosing. And so then his daughter watches Bob. And she goes, oh, well, when a painful situation happens, you get in a car accident, whatever, this is how I should respond. I will become angry. I will blame others. I'll blame myself and receive shame or whatever. And so she learns from Bob how to 
create her own mindset of that's not good and her own stronghold in her life. And do you see that's what creates what we call like a generational stronghold in your life. And I want to submit that we all have them. There's not one person in this room that does not need or has not needed to become free from some negative generational thing that our parents did, usually unknowing, you know, that has affected the way that we approach pain and loss and lack in our own lives. And so if we go over here, because, oh, so let me just give you a, a scripture to back this up. James 1, 13. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And so you guys, it starts with the little things. It starts with this little desire, this little painful thing that when it's conceived, it grows up and it gives birth to this action, this sinful thing. And then if we continue to work that out in our lives, it will lead to death in our lives. And so what we wanted Bob's dad to do or, Bob or, or Bob's daughter, whoever, what we wanted is for him to go over here and be like, it feels really painful to me that my dad doesn't say I love you. And I want him to hug me. Like, I need that from him to feel safe. And so for him to have the ability to go, Father, God in heaven, I give you the pain in my life of my father being absent. I forgive my father for being absent. And I repent for any way I've ever chosen sin because of that pain. Will you give me what you have in exchange? What do you have to give me in exchange? I give all of that to you. What do you have to give me in exchange? And if we can, we can train our children in this where, where they, man, my, I got left out at school. Somebody kicked me on the playground. And we can go, hey, let's talk to God about that. Hey, Father, uh, and, and teach them to have this conversation. It hurt, it hurt me when this happened to me. I give you that pain. What do you have in exchange for me for that pain? And I might sound kind of kooky, you guys, but I do that with my kids. And it's so powerful because, and God always has something sweet to give them. I can provide a peaceful environment for my kids and I can provide a loving environment for my kids, but I cannot put peace within their heart. Only God can do that. I cannot give them love. Like, I mean, I can give them love, but I can't put it within them. God is love. He is peace. He is joy. I can't, I can create a joyful environment, but I can't give someone joy. Only God can do that. And so when they take their pain and they give it to God and they receive him in exchange, that's an equipping that they can take for the rest of their life and not have all of this baggage like I did, you know? And so that's what we want to do. But a lot of us didn't have that training when we were growing up. And a lot of us need to get set free, okay? And so we're going to talk about how to get set free. And so we all have generational sin. Guys, it's just face. Let's face it. And like when I described it like that, you know, it's not rocket science. It's not like this weird thing. It's just our parents chose what to do with their pain in an unhealthy way, and they passed it to us, so let's get free. So I have a little roadmap, and it's the roadmap to freedom. So here we go. So we're going to recognize 
We're going to forgive. We're going to repent. We're going to renounce. And we're going to receive from God. Okay? And so this is not just you saying these things out loud. What's so glorious about a relationship with God is that when we pray, we can speak to him, but as his children, we can also hear his voice. The Bible says that his sheep hear his voice. And so recognizing is step one. So it's like, well, when you drive in the car and like someone cuts you off, like this is always a good way to recognize how you respond and if maybe there's an area of freedom for you, okay? And so it's just like a litmus test. Like, wow, something just came out of me that was not okay. Maybe I need to check on if we need some freedom, you know? And so recognize whatever it is, or you've got like, you've got something that's like consistently happening. I have this story I have to tell. This girl struggled for a while with her voice all the time losing her voice, and um, also hated her voice. She thought it sounded ugly, she thought it sounded like a man. She hated her voice, and she was losing it all the time. Like, actually had to take steroids to help calm her vocal cords down so she could speak. And so she recognized, this is a problem in my life. Who, and so I walked her through this. I said, who might you need to forgive? And so I'm not just asking her to think about it. She said, Father God, is there anyone I need to forgive? And he said, your ex, grade, I can't remember what grade teacher, she spoke over this young lady. She said, your voice sounds like a boy. It's ugly. And said it to her, okay? She was like, oh my gosh, like, yes. She had never even remembered it until we prayed. She said, I forgive my teacher. And then she, that forgiveness opened up the ability for her to see her own sin. And she said, I repent for believing the lie that my voice is ugly. Lord, um, I, I, for, I repent for whatever, not honoring this voice that you've given me. And then she said, I renounce this lie and I don't want it in my life anymore. Go to the feet of Jesus, you are not my friend. And then she said, what do you have in exchange for me? I'm gonna receive something. Because if our life has been filled up in the territory of our heart, has had the voice of the enemy, when we say, Shame, go to the foot of the cross. You're not my friend. You're not going to help me in my pain anymore. Jesus is my friend. He's going to help me. There's room. And so we always have to invite Jesus and the Spirit of God back into that place, and he will always give you something new, okay? And so she received this beautiful promise from the Lord, and I, I can't remember how many years ago that was, but she texted me this testimony when I was asking about it, and she's never lost her voice again. She loves her voice. She's walked in health in a way that she wasn't before because she went through this journey just in this one small area of her life. Do you understand? So imagine just what you have in store if you're sitting here and you're like, I've never forgiven my father. And I've never, you know what I'm saying? There's so much freedom waiting for all of you. It's so exciting. Okay, and so I'm gonna just read this one last testimony as the band comes up and pray for us, okay? And so as they're coming up, I'm just gonna read. This is another testimony from a friend who's walked through this tending your heart. You know, cause you can pray one time, but y'all, I go through that journey. I just put up there this roadmap every day. I forgive someone and repent every day. You'd be surprised. And I'm not, and so it's like you can always do this with God. You can never stop doing it with Him. And so here's this testimony. It says, I struggled with deep depression starting my junior year in high school and all the way through my 20s. I would go through dark seasons of it and then manageable seasons of it, but all the while going to church and loving God. It got to the point of me causing physical harm to myself and then being completely overwhelmed and enticed by the idea of suicide. 
I found relief when I would hurt myself and when I would practice writing my own suicide letter. Breakthrough, real lasting breakthrough came when I chose to repent. Repent for all the lies that I had believed about myself and God and repent for all of the ways that I had chosen other things instead of truly choosing Jesus. Because of repentance, I had finally experienced freedom and I wanted that freedom to last forever. The concept of tending your heart, which is watching over your heart and not settling for the things of this world and the enemy's accusations, spending intentional, conversational, consistent time with Jesus is what has brought me to lasting freedom to this day. This month, it has been seven years since I have been set free and stayed 100% free from any depression and self-harm. Life has gone on and I've experienced hardships and even tragic loss in my life. And if I hadn't learned how to tend my heart by spending time with God and talking with Him and listening to Him, then I know that I wouldn't have made it through those hardships and the devastating loss. If you want lasting freedom in your life, then you must learn to tend your heart by spending time with God. So let's stand. And I'm gonna pray over us this promise Um, It says in Psalm 18, He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because He delighted in me. So the Lord's here today, you guys, to rescue us from the bondage in our lives or to help us take this next step in our journey. And today we want freedom. I wanna have the prayer leaders go ahead and come up. And if you want freedom, if you know there is an area in my life that is not right and I want it to be right with God. I don't want anyone to come mess with my fire anymore. I want you to come up and be bold and really receive the freedom that God has for you today. So as we respond this morning, I feel like there's something, an invitation that's specifically being highlighted uh, just for us this morning in this service. And it's um, from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. And it says that, um, that we are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from our forefathers. So I, I do think there's a specific invitation this morning in the realm of this generational stuff that we learn from our parents and that you're maybe, you maybe have, have recognized has become a mindset in your own life. If we can go to verse um, 18. Oh, here we go. Um, redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. And it says that we haven't been redeemed with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus sets us free from the mindsets we receive from our parents. And so I feel like there's an invitation this morning, just as if maybe there's something you're recognizing to come forward and say, wow, this was handed down to me. I'm seeing it in my life and I want it to be broken off my life. These guys would love to pray for you and help you walk through that process of beginning to say, God, I repent. I don't want to believe that thing that was passed down to me. I want it to be gone out of my life and I want to receive something from your word, from your voice that will give me new life. Amen.
so I just want us to take a moment and I just want us all to, to ask God just in your own heart I just want you to every one of us to say God is is there a is there a generational mindset something that's been handed down to me that you want to deal with me today just ask him a yes or no father do you have freedom for me today said yes I just want you to ask him what is it father he's a good father he says my sheep hear my voice you have the Holy Spirit inside of you if you're a child of God just say what is it God Jesus would you give us a grace so I just want to invite you if you need to respond this morning I just want to invite you to come and to step into your freedom today in the mighty name of Jesus